0: What's going on? This is the Barbell CEO Podcast, episode 15. I am your host, Mike Dewar. And if you're new to this podcast, thanks for joining us. This is a podcast where we have discussions, real discussions with coaches, athletes, entrepreneurs, and leaders, not only in the fitness world, but across all their aspects of life. And we just talk, we share their experiences, what they've learned, and trying to help you guys wherever you're at in your journey to growth. Today, we have a really awesome conversation uh, with our guest. She is a elite level power lifter. She is a national qualifier for Olympic weightlifting. But before that, she was a college athlete where she played division one and two soccer. She studied exercise science, and she's completed over 10 marathons and three Ironmans, uh, which is Swimming, biking, and running. So she has done a lot of different aspects of fitness. Um, she's not just known for her strength. She has great work capacity, and I'm really excited to pick her brain today to really shed some light on uh, not only competing at high levels and things that our athletes and coaches can take, uh, how to you know compete on a world stage but also how to really boil things down to how your fitness in the beginning can really play a strong foundation on the foundations of your growth. And she, you know, looking back at her experiences with running and endurance training and and sports has really, uh, she did said she didn't wanna change anything about that and that really has helped become uh, the lifter that she is today. So I'm excited to have Megan Scanlon on today to discuss that. But first, we're gonna have a quick announcement about some things we have going on in the circle of strength. What's going on if you guys are interested in getting better not only as a coach but as an individual whether that's a better brother a better sister a spouse a significant other a leader in your community we have a group of men and women called the circle of strength and we meet weekly where we go through different aspects of growth whether that's financial personal wealth working on the self and the mental aspect of things the contribution to our our work and to our community, the connection that we have with others. All of these aspects of growth and of life is something that we really strongly believe in. So we have great discussions and great uh, different exercises that we can do as a group and as a team. So if you're interested in joining a community of leaders, and people all working who can hold you accountable, give you the support and guidance, as well as you can help somebody else in that same group learn something because we believe that everyone, no matter who they are, comes to this this group called the Circle of Strength and really can offer value. If you're somebody who believes in that process and really wants to check that out, go to thebarbellceo.com slash circle hyphen of hyphen strength. You can check it out. We have a couple of different recordings of of little snapshots of some of the calls that we've been on. And I want to extend to you a two-week free trial so you guys can check that out there because we strongly believe in the process. and We've had great results already with our members. All right, guys, so I'm here with Megan. Megan, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, joining the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, we were talking a little bit before this about, you know, your background with, uh, you know, the wide variety of endurance and strength sports, and I'm really excited to pick your brain about that stuff.
1: Yeah, should be it should be a good time. <laughs> it's on a couple of different, you know couple of different things going on.
0: Yeah, you have. So I guess um, you know, let's let's kinda intro, you know, I, I did a brief intro with uh with the, the audience here, but tell us a little bit about, you know, what where you're from, what you're doing, and then maybe uh you know, your background, how you how you kinda got started into uh the health and fitness game.
1: Sure. So I live outside of Boston, a little bit outside of Boston, and pretty much for my whole life I've lived around here. Um, And I have been kind of in, you know, strength, health, fitness, however you would like to classify those things since, I mean, really, you could probably say my whole life in terms of I grew up in sports and being an athlete, but professionally since college, I went to school. Um, again, around Boston and uh, studied exercise science. So it's been, you know, I've been a a personal trainer and strength coach and in that world now for about probably 11, 12 years. Uh, It's been a little while. Um, And through that, I, you know, growing up, again, played sports and then went to college and also played sports. I played soccer throughout college. And when I finished playing soccer, knew that I had to continue doing something um, that would make me feel challenged, that would allow me to be competitive, even if it was with myself, and also give me structure, because I had that structure that athletics gives you all growing up. Um, And through that, I've done a lot of different things. And most recently, it's been through strength sports, so powerlifting and weightlifting the past couple of years. I've transitioned into strictly strength um sports and it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um and I've been lucky to find some success as well through those through those strength sports, which is also a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you know, so I guess success is could be an understatement. You've been you've been pretty successful there. Um and, and not just powerlifting and weightlifting and then you know, I really am excited to dive deeper into that, but how would you, you know, let's tell a little people uh, about I guess your what you do now? What's your what's your training like? Um, you know, what are you training for? Any kind of things on the horizon?
1: Sure. So, right now my training is uh, what you would call like a super total program. So, it combines powerlifting and weightlifting. Um, and I actually get questions about that a lot. Like, what does that look like? Um, is it you're training for powerlifting for a certain time and then switching over? And it is truly a combination or a mesh of the two, pretty much year round. Um, when I do have a meet, there'll be a time where I will typically, unless it's a super total meet, like remove one or the other. But that really is like the last week, maybe last two weeks of the program leading up to the meet. So it's not There's not much time throughout the year that I'm strictly training for one of the sports or or another. Um, And it's pretty cool. Right now, I just came off of, I went to Raw Nationals, which is powerlifting um, for the USAPL. That was two weeks ago. And right now, I'm actually training again. And my next meet will be a weightlifting meet. I'm going to do AO finals um, in December.
0: Oh, in Salt Lake. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. We're taking our crew out there too. So maybe we'll oh, see. Oh really? You yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Is this Definitely. is that is this the biggest uh weightlifting meet you've you've been to?
1: Yeah, so I did one one other American open. I did the American Open at the Arnold um because I was already going out there for powerlifting. So it's kinda like one of those why not scenarios. Yeah. Um, and that was the only American Open I've done. Um, so this will be like the second of – I know it's the the finals, but the second of the American Open Series or national level meet that I've ever done for weightlifting. So that's pretty cool.
0: Wow. So so you were – because the Arnold's this year, 2019, the Grand Prix, you play second, right? Yes. And that was your best meet ever. And at that same that same weekend, you also competed in American Open Series.
1: Yes, which technically – not weight wise but like um or total wise I should say I competed at the 59 at that meet um and I that meet qualified me for like weightlifting nationals which was really cool um and obviously American Open Finals and things like that um which was a lot of fun weightlifting wise that meet was a huge learning curve for me just it's still different for me being on a weightlifting platform versus a powerlifting platform and And the composure is so different needed for both sports. Um, And I think since then I've done a couple of other local meets and I've come a long way, Um, Mm -hmm. but I just felt so out of place at that meet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's, I am excited to to talk a little more about that and the differences between and the parallels between Um, but they had to be a wild weekend just to prepare for that. I mean, were you tired at all? Cause what, what came first is the weightlifting and the powerlifting or vice versa?
1: Weightlifting came first. Um,
0: okay.
1: and that's actually another question I get pretty often. And I mean, no, but I don't, it's kind of like I'm training for that anyways, mm-hmm. even if I'm not technically doing a super, super total meet, Like when I train, I'm going to do, some variation of snatch clean and jerk, and then I'm going to do some variation of squat bench deadlift. So my typical training day and typical training week is including a lot of weightlifting and a lot of powerlifting.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. That makes sense then. Um, All right. So we, this is kind of a fun part I like to do to call it the icebreaker. So what does a typical day, typical day look like for you now um, in terms of like your schedule?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, right now it's pretty busy. <laughs> um, so I have what I like to call a day job that I, that I am lucky to love. Um, and it's also in strength and fitness and health realm, all of my jobs. And I guess you could say are, um, so I work, a uh, you know, 40, 45, 50, however long it takes job, um, a week that is at a local gym here. It's called health works. It's an all woman's gym um where I'm the fitness director so I'm kind of in charge of a team of personal trainers and that ranges from you know the business side of things to also more of the mentoring and helping trainers find kind of their way within within fitness and within the health world um so that's a lot of fun um and then that will vary um so sometimes I'll work early and sometimes I'll work a later shift so that will depend when I train. So I'll either train before work early or I'll train when I get home in the afternoon. Um, And then I also do a bunch of online coaching um, for my own clients. And those clients are strength clients and most of them are power lifters, um, but that are interested in strength um, in general. And I typically probably spend another two, three hours per day doing that. Obviously it's not some days I do it more and some days are a little bit less, but My days are relatively busy um, in general, uh, which is why I totally appreciate a day where I have nothing to do, (laughs) Um, which I will end up filling with something, but that doesn't have a schedule. Um, It's funny, and I know I touched on it before a little bit, but my whole life, I feel like, has been pretty structured, and I definitely function the best when I am structured in a sense of being productive and getting the things that I want to get done. And, you know, the goals that I have being able to actually work towards them and reach them um, when I am very structured versus having a lot of time. Um, but it does make me appreciate when I just have a day where there's nothing on the calendar.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely difficult. And we have a lot of personal trainers and coaches and and even athletes that listen to this and you kind of hit on it. Like you need to be structured to an extent to have the success that you want to have. Um, but also I find at least in my life, like the more structure I have, it's also, you can really start to carve out these quote unquote unstructured days. Like you bust your butt six days of the week, you allow yourself to have that, that kind of free open day. So it kind of feed into one another.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Awesome. Um, all right. So let's go with, um, I'm always curious, what is your favorite exercise? like if you could only do <sighs> one or I guess maybe a movement if you could only do one movement with weight and all and then you could let's assume that you could open up the vault of body weight and still train that, what would it be
1: um it would probably be some type of squatting pattern
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, which is probably no surprise to anybody but i feel like also since you opened it up a little bit that opens me up to a lot of different variations and variety and if mm-hmm. i wanted to get creative maybe i could even make that squatting pattern some type of you know plyometric maybe that type of variety or single leg motion um, totally but it, i'm definitely in a sense built to squat so it's it's a movement that is fun for me to do not only because it feels good doing it. Cause I am kind of built to squat, but I'm pretty proficient at it, like from a technical mm-hmm. standpoint and it's fun to move a lot of weight. Like I can move a lot of weight squatting, but at the same time, I just as much love like single leg work and being explosive. And I think that squat in general, like build a lot of strength within that, those, those realms.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's an awesome answer. And it's, Sometimes when I, when I was asked this, but it was in the context of if you could eat one food for the rest of your Whoa. life. I said, I was like the dude. I was like, I'm going to do a sandwich because you can literally have anything on a sandwich. That's true. You know? But, I thought uh, the same
1: thing with like pizza. Like you could do so many, exactly, many different things with a pizza.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so it's, I guess the lesson is if there's coaches and trainers listening out there, like, I really like that you broke down movement because people say, oh, I'm only going to squat. and Typically, it's just a barbell. And it's like, well, you can really open up the box and do unilateral, different loading schemes. So it was cool to hear you work through that, uh, you know. so um, All right. So let's go with, you know, you are in a strength sports where both weightlifting and powerlifting uh, have weight classes. Mm-hmm. Are there certain? And obviously, you're performing at a very high level. We didn't really hit on, you know, you said you're good at squatting, but... Um what is your best squat?
1: uh my best squat is one eighty seven and a half at sixty three um and then at fifty seven I squatted one seventy eight um kilos obviously so like give or take four hundred like four in the gym I've squatted like one ninety so that's like four fifth thirteen or something like that
0: something. yeah, for all our imperial listeners out there
1: somewhere around there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's, that's huge. That's, that's gotta be, yeah, that's over three times body weight.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that 57, uh, it was actually when I went to Worlds in June. And at the time, like that was a world record at 57. And my 63 squats right around, typically like dabbles around where the world record is as well for that weight class. Yeah.
0: So, all right. So the nutrition strategy for that, right. Cause obviously mm-hmm. you, you, you have to eat and stay in your weight class, but you also have to perform at a very high level. Um, was there a certain strategy you follow in general? And then maybe how do you tweak that going up to certain meets?
1: Yeah, sure. So it definitely depends on what weight class I'm competing in. Um, <laughs> for me, I 57 and 63, um, you know, I'm five foot two, so I'm not that tall. Uh, I could totally fit within the 57 class if we're, if we're talking from height standards. Um, but I am a relatively muscular female. And as I gained more strength, it got harder to fit into the 57 class. And I knew eventually I would have to move my way into 63. Um, so it was definitely more challenging from a nutrition standpoint to be in the 57 weight class because i had to be on point all the time um really like you know 10 weeks out from the meet in i had to be like 100 percent on my nutrition um i don't necessarily follow one train of thought or another in, in terms of nutrition i know that there's a lot of i feel like now there's a lot of if you want to call it black and white uh, nutrition mm-hmm. <laughs> thoughts or uh, schools of thoughts or groups Um, I don't necessarily fall within any specific, uh, you know, train of thought with my nutrition. I do my own nutrition. I just always have, and I'm comfortable doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. there's definitely certain things that when I am say cutting down for a meat that I was very careful about. And, you know, obviously one of them is protein trying to keep as many carbs as I can, um, while also keeping somewhat of a healthy balance and feeling good. And for me, when I had to be so lean and add a lighter body weight, I actually, if you looked at what I ate would probably have trended a little bit higher in fat than a lot of other people, my size, just because like that's how I felt the best and was able to kind of recover the best and maintain some type of sanity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but transitioning to 63, it's a weight class that I kind of naturally fall within. So I don't necessarily have to be on top of my nutrition as much per se, um, especially in terms of amount, but I do try, obviously, I'm aiming to compete at the highest levels of the sport. So I'm definitely trying to make sure that my nutrition is quality. And that's a big thing for me in general, even when I was cutting down is, yeah, I do follow macros, if you want to say that, but less of like, if I can fit this junk food in my macros, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and more, of just making sure that I'm getting enough protein, I'm getting enough carbs in my throughout my day. um, And really trying to fill that with the highest quality foods that I can and making sure that I am getting, you know, the micronutrients and things like that, because I'm testing my body. Um, (laughs) And I'm pushing my the limits of my body. And I want to, put myself at the best advantage that I can and not get sick and not get injured. Um, because training's hard, you know, and not just that, but you know, then you have a, a full-time job, you have maybe a side job, you have family, you have friends and like, you're not necessarily putting yourself in the optimal spot for recovery because life is a thing. Like training doesn't happen in a bubble, you know? So trying to do everything, that I can outside of that, that I have control over is definitely something that I believe wholeheartedly in for right now, like where I'm at.
0: Yeah. And that and that's great to hear because I, and obviously there's a lot of athletes that share the same mindset where they're attacking the nutrition, they see the holistic approach where they can really impact the recovery and the training. But there's a lot of athletes out there that would say, "Wow, you're training at such a high level. You know, like you you probably have some room in your diet where you can, you know, you can let loose a little bit. You can do this and that. You can get away with eating this, and it, you know, you can really run down a, a slippery slope um, because, yeah, you are burning a lot of calories. You are training very hard. You could probably eat this and that, but in the long run, is that going to impact your ability, uh, you know, to perform at the highest level where you want to be? So it's good to be good to hear that, even because I've talked with some athletes and you know they. They're able to get get by, I guess, if you will, with eating a little less structured. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think it's having that balance where you know you're not so regimented that you're you know it's it's owning your life, but at the same point you do have to understand that there is a a nutritional science aspect to it.
1: Absolutely, and I think what you just said, like that balance part, is so important. And there's going to be like abs and flows throughout the year, and depending on what you're necessarily targeting or what your goal is and what your training looks like and what your life looks like, you know? Um, I think it's funny because I definitely, when I was younger and doing a lot more endurance things, I definitely (laughs) maybe didn't have the best nutrition. (laughs) It was more like, oh, I can eat this because I just ran 20 miles, you know? Um, But at the end of the day, I think in the simplest sense, if you think about it, If you say you have a training session in four hours and you eat like a good meal, how you feel in that training session versus if you have a training session in four hours and eat like junk, you have a meal, you get the same amount of calories in but it's not the greatest like how do you feel in that training session. Probably not the best. Like your stomach probably doesn't feel great. You might not love putting a belt on for squats, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and like that's not fun. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, that's it's definitely conversations I have with. um You know, I was coaching the colleges. We'd get a lot of athletes, and once again, like they're very athletically gifted, physically gifted. They probably were able to do certain things and not think about the nutrition. Mm-hmm. It's these horror stories of what I hear, what they're eating or what they're not eating before workouts and you know, kids are eating ice cream, like 30 minutes before workouts and they're feeling sick under squats. I'm like, well, you know, you got to think about these things, but these are same conversations that, you know, I'm sure you have these with, with your, your clients is, you know, our clients will roll up and they won't eat anything. Mm -hmm. And and I'm even culprit of that too. Life gets in the way. I'm busy. I got an hour to get a workout in before I know it. I'm feeling lightheaded after heavy cleans. And it's like, well, you know, I missed that window. I need to kind of plan better next time. So Mm um definitely yeah. some immediate um, feedback <laughs> yeah all right um all right so let's uh before we move on what's one thing uh people people wouldn't know about you but maybe they should
1: um this is a great question that i i honestly i looked at and i was like huh i don't know that's a great question <laughs> i'm sure there's plenty of things um Probably just how many things that I've done. <laughs> Not necessarily yeah. like even well, but just in general before I found what was the right fit for me. Um and I think about this even a lot in terms of you know, how things have changed sometimes of you know, a lot of times now that like, people say, Oh, the generation where everyone grows up and gets a trophy, right? Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: which to some degree and some things is true. And I think about that and i think about when i was little trying all these different sports and literally being told at the age of five or seven well my mom being told not me but my mom being told and me sitting there being like oh she should she should quit while she's ahead and try something oh. else you know which yeah. sounds really harsh but at the same mm-hmm. time it allowed me to try so many different things and find what i really loved and find what i was good at too and excel and what fits me. Uh, and I think that in a way is really important. Um, and it's hard because you're going to fail at a lot of things before you find what you, you truly are passionate about. And like, that's okay. Um, and I think that growing up both athletically, but even professionally, like I tried so many different things and realized I like it but I don't love it. It's not for me. It's not going to drive me going forward. And I think that's important to have something that kind of pushes you outside of your comfort zone and pushes you to get better throughout your life.
0: Yeah. I, I love how you even apply that to the professional side. Cause I really resonate with that. You know, I was, you know, like you, I, I studied this in school and I was on a clinical track. So I spent the first, you know, my master's and then my time after that in hospitals working with like terminally you know really morbid situations and and it was definitely an Mm eye-opener and then I went to the complete other end of the spectrum working with you know division one and division three athletes a completely different realm Mm -hmm. and and looking back there was things I liked things I didn't like and it really helped steer me in that kind of direction I want to go but in the moment I was like, oh, I don't like this. This isn't the path for me. And it's important to kind of pull yourself out of that mindset and say there's something you can take from this. And the same with your training, right? I'm sure, you know, as we talk about your endurance training and everything that was really the foundation before you even got into the powerlifting and weightlifting, I mean, that probably has a huge impact on your ability to, to get work capacity, to train more than, than maybe somebody who doesn't have the endurance background you do to help with, you know, your recovery. So it's kind of cool to see how all that, you know, is wrapped up into one
1: yeah definitely
0: uh, cool um all right so let's um i guess since we're on that because we're we talked a lot about pilot whaler thing i want to get into that but i want to kind of go backwards and talk about your en- endurance training and your work capacity you know so you know you obviously have a very impressive resume of things you've done you know 10 plus marathons, some Ironmans. Um, you know, you want to share a little bit about some of those experiences and accomplishments?
1: Sure. So it's it's funny. I, looking back on, so I'm 31. Looking back on, say like 31 years of my life since I started playing sports, I, in a way, um, all everything kind of lined up with the sports that I did that I were heavily involved with were like endurance, but also power based. So like looking back, it kind of makes sense that once I stopped playing sports. I first got into endurance things and then I was like nah, maybe I should try some power activities mm-hmm. um, but in a, in a lot of ways my whole life I've been building up work capacity <laughs> um, starting with I would say the first like serious sport I was involved with that I wasn't told I should quit um, was gymnastics and then soccer so both sports involve a lot of endurance and involve a high work capacity but you also need to have a lot of power, uh, to be successful in both of them. Um, but I, I don't even know how I got involved with running outside of when I graduated college strengths in general, weren't as big. Um, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough ago that no one really did that, you know, like Spartan races. Yeah, they were starting, but like, even that wasn't really a thing that many people did. And I was looking for something I could do and train for and there was going to be some type of competition say at the end. So for me that was running after I stopped playing soccer um in college and my dad ran marathons so to me it just kind of made sense. Um mm-hmm. and then somehow that turned into 10 marathons and you know three ironmans um meanwhile <laughs> I'm not even I like have panic attacks in open water but like somehow that was a good idea um, <laughs> <laughs> But at the same, like in the same sense, like I wouldn't go back and change any of that. Yes, I could have started lifting sooner and maybe that would have helped me. Maybe I would be stronger now, but I learned so many things from those five years that I was doing that. And yes, it physically helped me build work capacity for where I'm at now, but also mentally I definitely don't think I would attack training sessions and competitions the same way. If I hadn't done that.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I'm sure you had to go to some metal places doing in marathons and obviously getting over like swimming in the Ironman. And then, you know, just the sheer amount of volume that you have to do. I'm sure you, you learned some awesome lessons looking back.
1: Yeah. Um, It's funny. I was, I was talking about, you know, my last, my last, weight cut down to 57 was tough uh <laughs> all of them were if I'm being honest but like that was it was tough but at the same time at some dark corner of my brain I was like well this doesn't feel as bad as you know the 25th mile in that Ironman like even though I know I'm not feeling my best I know that my body can still perform and that's something that like I'm lucky I guess to be able to have that mindset and to be able to have these like dark corners of my brain that ha- feels this way and feels confident in that way because that's a hard thing to do to know that while you feel like death at this point in time like you're going to be okay you're going to be able to perform um and it's definitely directly related to doing Ironman um, yeah because <laughs> there's no other reason that no other rational reason I should be thinking that <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's in, and it's important I think because I mean even me at times I you know you when you have that hinkling of doubt so I'm sure like if you step on that platform and you know that you're going for this world record or this you know American record there's there's a part of you where you know you're like hey I'm gonna have to do this it's gonna it's gonna get very real very quickly and being able to just walk yourself mentally through that and then just do it um, mm-hmm. you know and. and you can always look back, you look back on the Ironman, you know, I look back at certain things in my life where it was almost that breaking point. And you kind of know where you're, you know, you know where your border is, you know, if you go past that, you never have been past that, but um, it's important, I think. And it's, you know, do you have any tips for people out there who maybe are looking to explore their boundary a little further? And maybe that's I yeah, sure. We can push ourselves harder in a workout, yada, yada. But, you know, is there really a mental practice or something that you found Powerful, this helped you.
1: Um, it's you know, when I was doing Iron Man's, I was a lot younger, and I think that some of it's probably the irrational belief in yourself was probably somewhat due to I was younger, and you don't have as many, I feel like, as many rational thoughts when you're younger, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, perhaps. But now, I with that background, like that has definitely helped. And I think in a way, and it doesn't matter what level that you're competing at, if you want to do your best at whatever you're competing at, you have to have this, like, belief in yourself that no matter what, you can do it. And that's a hard thing to conceptualize and to teach someone. And yes, like you said, you can do it through a a hard workout to pushing yourself outside of your boundaries. But there has to be something that clicks within yourself that, like, allows you to have this, almost like self-confidence in a way it's almost like this cockiness, except it's, it's not cocky because you actually believe it's going to happen before it happens. Um, I mean, now I do a lot of visualization in general of lifting. Um, And when I do have like doubts, which always happen, um, no matter what, for different reasons, when things crop up, you're going to have doubts. I try to just visualize like the weight on the bar and seeing it and every set that I take, whether it's light, it's a warm up or the top set, it's as if it was the one on the platform. And I want everything to be the exact same from where I put my hands on the my back to my feet, to how I unrack it to how I walk out, I want every single detail to be the same. Um, For me, that's helped a lot mentally just I know everyone says like practicing like you play, but literally every single detail um, Mm -hmm. is the same. Even like what I eat before I train, before big squat days or big bench days is the same. Um, And I have, like, I've tried, you know, I know that a lot of people do different meditations and things like that. And for me, it's never stuck, but the visualization of the activity has stuck. And that has definitely helped me the most.
0: Yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, I, I agree. Visualization. And even like the night before, sitting in bed, thinking about it and like already seeing the outcome is huge. And then even on the micro scale, like you said, and a lot of with with clients who or maybe, you know, obviously it's a different talk when we have that. But people maybe who are listening to this who are beginning or just are starting from nothing, it could be as simple as just creating a habit or a ritual, like, you know, having the same, like you said, the same food before you work out, creating that ritual, creating that ability that you can make that connection you know, taking an extra second before you work out to look over the program and walk yourself through it mentally. And then after the workout, keep your notes and really, you know, make some detailed, this felt this way, that way. So that's stuff that I really try to put with a lot of our our younger athletes or people that are kind of getting going is really keeping detailed reports. So you can really look back upon them. Yeah.
1: Cause no matter what, I feel like in lifting, this is very it's so much more objective because it's a number on the bar, right. Versus Mm -hmm. a team sport per se. Um, But a lot of times, you know, I get the question of like, Oh, what does it feel like when you're squatting 400 pounds or what does it feel like when you're squatting that heavy? And I feel like one thing that many athletes don't realize when they're at those beginning stages or they're, they're in the middle or whatever is it feels the exact same as it did at the beginning. And you were approaching something hard for the first time. That Mm. feeling is the exact same because you're growing throughout the process. So it's not like all of a sudden I walked under a barbell with 400 pounds, like the 400 pounds to me feels exactly like 200 when I squatted 200 for the first time. Um, And that's a really hard thing to explain, but like, it's just as hard squatting 200 pounds for your first time as it is squatting 400. So like knowing that, all of that time in between leading up, like you've been practicing for that moment, whatever that moment is in your sport is something that's kind of like cool to realize and to know that like, although this may be new, although this may be your first time, everything before has led up to this moment.
0: Yeah. And that and that's really what's what I really love about. I mean, obviously all sports, but powerlifting, weightlifting, it's, you know, cause I've, I've done both, both meets and both. And it's, when somebody steps on there, when I get somebody at a meet and they step on the platform, I know that whether what it's a hundred pounds in the bar, 200, 300, I know that the relative intensity and what they're mm-hmm. mentally going through to have that, you know, get on that platform and try and PR by one kilo is the same that I'm going through and the same that, a, you know, a high, high level athletes going through. And it's really almost like a kind of a cool mutual respect that you have for the process of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah. So, all right. The fun part. Now I want to jump into powerlifting versus weightlifting and your takes on it. And this is a loaded question. I just, am curious, which one do you like better?
1: So (laughs) this is going to sound strange. Okay. So I like them for almost different reasons and why that sounds strange is because I know they're both strength sports. Um, I, you know, I've found success in each, but in their own right, I'm much more elite and much more competitive as a powerlifter, and that is awesome. And like that to me is such like a driving force. Like I, I get to compete with some of the best people in the world and try to win. Like that to me is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, on a lot of different levels, and has and has made me grow a ton as a person and. That is, I think, why right now, at this point in time, I enjoy powerlifting so much. Um, weightlifting on the flip side, like, yes, I'm pretty competitive weightlifting, and I've been able to qualify for some national meets, which is great, but it's not the same level. However, I feel much more like an athlete when I'm doing weightlifting than when I'm doing powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me is very satisfying. And I love feeling like an athlete and like I can move and that I'm quick and that I'm explosive and that I'm powerful. In general, I just feel a lot better. Um, also, weightlifting is way prettier. <laughs> <laughs> when it's done well, it's way prettier to look yeah, at. That,
0: that's, a good, that's a good disclaimer when it's done well.
1: Yeah, think, Yeah, that's a good point. You can probably, uh, it's, yeah. it's also much easier to make ugly.
0: That's uh, true, that's true. No, that's, a, that's a good way to break it down there. I, I like how you, how you attack that question. That's a difficult one. I, I, I wanted to ask this one because I, when I have these conversations with people who are kind of these dual strength sport, it's always fun to listen to their responses. And, and almost, almost on cue, they all pause for like five seconds choosing their words. <laughs> cause you never want to write, you never want to like, uh, cause powerlifters and weightlifters, there's luckily now there's more of a uh, through obviously the media and people seeing both sports and having a deeper respect for one another. But I think there was a point in time, you know, where powerlifters look at weightlifters, weightlifters look at crossfitters and it was kind of everyone was so, Oh, this is what we do, blah, blah, blah. But it's cool now to see everything's kind of coming together.
1: Absolutely. I think a lot of times where I'm at right now, a lot of powerlifters um, that I compete with, some of them will ask me like, so when are you going to stop weightlifting? You Mm -hmm. know, Um, And it's funny on the flip side, although I'm not as competitive, that question from weightlifters too. And my answer is kind of always the same. I'm not planning on stopping either right now because they're both benefiting each other. And Mm. since I've done both, I've seen the best success. So like, I'm not looking to change anything at this moment in time, just because I feel like they both bring, you know, different, they both help me in different ways in the other sport.
0: Yeah, hundred I mean, if you break it down, like the the weightlifting, doing, a you know, a power clean, power snatch, like the rate of force development, all that stuff, like you can do that in powerlifting too with bands and chains. So you're just kind of blending the sciences a little bit. Um, so it's kind of cool to see how you do that and be successful in both. Um, so I guess the, the what is what was your biggest challenge and what did you do to kind of overcome that both in powerlifting and then in weightlifting?
1: In powerlifting, the biggest challenge, well, I guess now two, it's been twice, but it's just like injuries that pop up. Um, uh, A year and a half ago, two years ago, the first time I went to the Arnold, I ended up like tweaking, like spraining my SI joint and having like some hip issues for a while. And that was actually the original time I decided I was going to cut down to 57, um, just cause my first nationals, I was very light. Like I weighed in at like 60 point something. And then I got hurt in February and lost muscle. So I was like, all right, I want to stay competitive. And I cannot do that if I go and compete as a 63. Um, so that was the first time I decided to cut down to the 57 weight class. And then fast forward this year, I've just had like a couple of different, not as bad, but like different back things going on and hip things going on. And it's, a challenge because even if it's not terrible, if it's something that is acute, but you know, after a couple of weeks dissipates, it, when you're trying to lift your max weights, it makes a big difference, um, yeah. and it changes how you're attacking them, and it changes how they feel. For instance, going into nationals this year you know, I, I had a couple of different things go on and teach my back a little bit. And then leading into nationals, I probably could have used another two to three weeks before I should have gotten under my max weights. If we're talking from like a rebuilding standpoint from an inch and you have to go to compete whenever that day is. And like, that's a challenge because you're trying to do your best. So that challenge, of course, it's physical, but it's also mental. Um, that's definitely been something that's hard and hard to kind of like accept and learn from and move on from um because it's hard to show up and not be able to perform to what you know is your potential but be able to accept what's there that day you know
0: um
1: weightlifting on the flip side is obviously as you've mentioned like a lot lighter a lot more explosive um the hardest Challenge for me, weightlifting is I started after a couple of years of powerlifting, so I was already pretty strong and had this great base of strength, and then I had zero weightlifting knowledge, technique, anything. So mm. it was like I, you know, I could probably curl and press this weight, but I can't snatch it.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. So
1: it was just more frustrating. I mean, now it's a lot better, um, but that first year, like, I spent a lot of time on my butt. And I spent a lot of time being like, this makes no sense that I can't do this. Um, You know, whereas now I've progressed to the point where, all right, let's try to like refine the technique and make the technique better. It actually looks like a snatch now. It actually looks like a clean and jerk. Mm. Um, And that is fun. But that was like, you know, that initial hump, that initial challenge to get over was, all right, a little bit here, just because you have the strength, you know, doesn't mean you should go heavier.
0: Yeah, hundred. That's a great message, and yeah, it's definitely humbling at times to you know, especially so when you came into the weightlifting. How was your mobility? Like, were you able to do overhead squats? Did you come with at least that ability, or do you have to work on that too?
1: Yeah, so that's something that I have great mobility in general, and I think that's just you know, again, from growing up being a gymnast and whatnot that has always stuck with me. Um, I've always liked to be able to move athletically. So even when I was just powerlifting, I would do conditioning and agility-based things. So I wouldn't feel like I was just, and I mean this in a very loving way, but like a fat powerlifter in terms yeah. of like not able to move. You know what I mean? Just um, a
0: sagittal monster.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So luckily i I was mobile and I did have that ability to get into the right positions from the
0: start cool um all right so is there anything that you would have done differently if you're looking back either in your weightlifting or powerlifting career in the beginning whether that was a training or a mentality shift or anything like that
1: um no and i'm always gonna answer no to this question because i think that everything leads to one another, you know, and I think that it's important maybe, um, at some points in time to go through periods where maybe you wouldn't have done that, but now you know why and you've learned from that. And I think that the important part is to kind of reflect and then see what you want to change, what went well, what didn't go well, and where you want to go from here. Um, in general for powerlifting, like I wouldn't change anything. I think, I mean, I haven't been powerlifting that long and I've had a, you know, a pretty quick progression, you could say, Mm -hmm. um, from my start to where I am now. And initially, you know, I was just writing my own programming and coaching myself. Um, But I think while I maybe could have progressed even faster with a coach, I think that it was a great learning curve for me. And it taught me a lot about the sport. It taught me a lot about myself and also taught me a lot about different coaching styles that might work for me or what I need someone to understand, to be able to kind of coach me and reel me in. Cause I have a tendency to go off the script, if you will, um, and try to do too many things, which weird, <laughs> who would have guessed. Um, and I think that was important. And I think that has also led me to be very successful with Max. Who's my coach now is, Like he gets what I kind of need to be successful as an athlete, but also to be happy. And I think that's important, the blend. There's a lot of really good coaches out there that get the scientific background and that understand the sport, but just because they're a great coach doesn't mean they're great for you. And I think that's hard to understand for a lot of coaches and a lot of people. Um, And finding the right coach for you in whatever sport you're in is something that can make a huge difference unfortunately on the flip side if you don't if you find a coach that isn't the right fit for you it can also make for a terrible experience but not every experience is going to be like that you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I, and I agree I think it's I think it's important for people at some point um, you know and say maybe somebody doesn't have the uh, the backgrounds that we do in terms of the the sciences but you can definitely still self teach yourself. And I think there's an important step where, you know, cause I've, I've had coaches in the past. I've been on my own. There's a level of ownership where I know that I'm, I'm owning my situation. It's on me to, you know, show up at the gym, track my stuff. You learn a lot of great uh, skill sets that when it is time to get a coach, because I do think that you can also benefit from getting a coach, you know, your tendencies like you, um, my friends refer to me as do too much because mm-hmm. I love I love training. Like I love training. Hey, I love doing all kinds of stuff. I love different forms of fitness and that, you know, is cool and all, but it also, when you get to a certain level, it can really impact uh, negatively at times recovery and, and all that stuff. So getting a coach who understood that if they tell me to not do anything, it's most likely not going to happen. Um, you know, they would finagle my program to where it wouldn't conflict too much. And I was still getting what I wanted to get out of my training. So. It, it it's it definitely, it's, uh, it's important, I think, to kind of have a little bit of both.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's such a, it's such a balance and it, it's hard to explain because everyone is different. Some people want to do too much and that's a hard thing to hold people back and, you know, to not rush it and to not try to do everything. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, some people have never experienced what it's like to be uncomfortable, you know, and what that it is like to almost have that like overloaded feeling. And like, that's okay. And like, you need someone to push you and to teach you kind of your limits, but also like test you. And like, mm-hmm. that's okay. So it's, it's interesting. Coaching in general is interesting just because so many people could benefit from a coach for so many different reasons. And I definitely think that finding the right fit is so important when it's coaching, because it is such a personal relationship, you know,
0: a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's, you really hit the nail on the head. I, I, there's, it sounds like me and you, like my mentality is like, I'm going to run through a wall. So the coach's job is to make sure I don't run through that wall repeatedly because I just love running through walls, right? Whereas somebody else, <laughs> they don't know, like right? maybe they just are afraid to like take that next step or they don't know how to take the next step. And maybe the coach is there to kind of tactfully uh, and skillfully guide them so that hey let's let's try a little heavier or let's mm-hmm. let's try this harder sprint and let's get you a little uncomfortable and doing that in a in a good way so it's it's definitely a spectrum of dealing with people and all that as a coach and that as an athlete you know understanding that there are different types of coaches out there i've had so many people say oh i've, I've been coached by so-and-so or this and that it's been a, it hasn't been a good situation and you know I think some of it maybe lies on the coach, but some of it also lies on the athlete that maybe they weren't uh, understanding of what they were looking for out of the, this, the relationship too. So,
1: Absolutely. And I think that that part leads so well into just communication in general because everyone even likes to communicate differently and that's going to affect their experience, you know, and what their expectations are.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: one of the best questions I started asking um, athletes when they come on board is if they have had a coach before and then if they had, you know what did they really like what were their favorite parts they would never want to change and what was something that they wish changed because sometimes that something that they wish changed never got communicated properly perhaps on either the coach or the athlete and that might be the reason where they left with a sour taste in their mouth or they didn't have a great experience and it's something that can be so easily changed you know
0: yeah definitely just communication too and that's uh it's kind of like the art of coaching there it's, it's obviously I think a lot of great coaches have the science and it's something that I'm trying to improve upon I think as a coach we always have to evolve and, and understand that we get you know as you grow you come you get more different types of personalities and different types of uh, people on the spectrum of their abilities so you definitely can't approach it the same way with everyone and that's something that as I go and get older and I'm sure you, you do the same in your career. you really start to have to ask those type of questions and have that personal kind of touch on it?
1: Yeah. And as an athlete, cause like on the flip side, like I get coached, it can be challenging. Cause especially all I want to do is to do what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to like let anyone down. Right. So like, yeah. it can be a challenge to be like, Hey, I'm not do like, this isn't working for me right now, you know? And it's not in a, Like, ooh, this isn't working. Like, in a disrespectful way. Like, I, like you said, like I'm trying to say run through a wall, and it feels like I, I'm not going anywhere for one reason or another. Like, let's figure out what's going on and like reconvene. Like, you know, like it's a constant process because it is like there's so much science behind it. But again, like it doesn't happen in a lab. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a constant process of tweaking little things here and there. That is that will make everyone feel. You know, one program could look pretty similar with a couple of tweaks, but is going to make that person feel so much better.
0: Totally. Um, All right. So let's, you know, you've, if people don't know us by now, we've, you've competed at very high levels in powerlifting. And obviously you're going to going out to the, uh, the finals for uh, Olympic weightlifting December to date, what has been your proudest accomplishment in, uh, both powerlifting and weightlifting
1: in general, my proudest accomplishment accomplishment for powerlifting was definitely just going to worlds in general um when I started when I went to nationals for my first time I don't know why but I left with a feeling of okay I want to I want to be able to make a world team don't ask me why I like I did well I came in fifth place but I was pretty far off from the winner Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like again (laughs) not like a normal thought people probably have but that was the feeling that I left with and with a sense of I'm going to figure out how I'm going to do it. Um, so that was a really proud moment for me to be able to do that. And then within that actual meet, my proudest moment in general overall is I missed my first squat and I came back and hit my second and third. Um, and that was, if I had to name one challenge in powerlifting, um, specifically that was the most challenging thing I think I've ever had a done ever had to do in athletics in general um so that is the moment I'm most proud of
0: yeah that's Uh, that's gotta be it's gotta be mentally challenging uh to miss an opener on such a large stage and then have to say okay we're going we're going to the next one let's go
1: yeah and it was challenging too because I didn't It was slow and it was grindy, but I didn't miss it in the sense of strength where I like failed and needed help getting up. It was just, so it almost puts you in the, Oh God, what do I need to change? And Mm -hmm. even like to date, I'm not quite sure if it was like depth, if it was up and down, I'm not sure, you know, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) so I walked away with the thought of, I don't know how to squat anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. like I got to this world stage and I forgot how to squat. So, again, just a reminder, at any level, you can have these feelings, Um, but it's kind of what do you do next, right? It's, like, that defining moment. moment. Um, Weightlifting, I haven't competed as much, obviously, but it was, I think, the moment I'm most proud of is when I clean and jerked over 100. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was just cool, and it just felt like, oh, like, I could do this. It was the first moment in weightlifting where I kind of felt like I owned it and like oh yeah I can do this now like I get this I can compete
0: yeah that's that's definitely a hallmark number like and 100 uh kilos for the listeners that's 220 pounds um that's that's huge that's awesome that's got to be a a huge kind of boost and then obviously you know you're going into December you know it's I'm excited to see you compete out there and throw some kilos around
1: should be fun. I still haven't cleaned and jerked a hundred in uh, training yet. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, One all my day. best lifts have been on stage. I think that's right. I mean, that's where they're
1: supposed to be. Exactly.
0: So, <laughs> cool. uh, uh, all right. So let's uh, where can people, you know, tell a little bit about um, your, your coaching. I know you, you know, you're, you're working out in full time, but you really have uh, your website where people can go and they can learn a little more about your online coaching.
1: Yeah. So, I definitely post the most things on Instagram. It's a lot of my training, but usually when I'm farther away from meets, I'll post more coaching things as well, Mm -hmm. um, just because I have a little bit more time. And on Instagram, like my handle is at megscanlift. And that's also my website is megscanlift.com. So either of those two places are good ways to get in touch with me, whether it's a question about competing or coaching or anything in between
0: (laughs) and what I was I was I was on your website and I was noticing so you obviously you're you know you have strength and policy clients but you also have uh, other clients just for like general fitness training as well
1: Mm -hmm, I do um so I kind of started and when I first started online coaching I was transitioning um from I like ran a my own studio for a while and had athletes but also had general pop that was interested in almost training like an athlete right mm-hmm. so yes it is general population and training but let's like get you strong let's get you agile let's get you moving and having some fun <laughs> yeah. um so it's fun
0: yeah it's it's definitely it's we kind of do the same and i think that's it's cool to see the general pop i mean the general pop used to kind of be like a weird word we'd give to people who were like oh you're general pop not athlete but <laughs> i had this conversation with a guy he's like oh i wouldn't uh i wouldn't call myself an athlete i go what are you talking about like He was on the roof the other day cleaning gutters. And I'm like, you're, you're having to move in different planes, carry your own body weight. Like the stakes are very high if you don't have that physical ability. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just kind of educating the people and also kind of building people up saying, Hey, listen, like life is tough. You know, you got to be ready for it. So cool. Um, any tips you have out there for people who are, are looking to, um, you know, build continue to maybe build their the brand online or or online coaches, some some tips that you found success with?
1: I think the biggest thing is just to stay true to like what you believe in and like hold hold whatever, you know, like thoughts or school of thoughts that you believe in, like hold true to that and like just be yourself. I know it sounds weird, but the online space in general is a very strange thing. (laughs) You know, it's very you're putting you're making yourself you're putting yourself out there, um, in one way or another. And I think having integrity with what you do is important even online. Cause just because it's not in person, there's a lot of people watching that, whether it's one person or hundreds of thousands of people watching you online, like you could affect someone and what you're saying and what you're suggesting to them. So I think it's important to stand behind what you believe in and like hold yourself with a lot of integrity um, just as if you were talking to someone in person.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great, and that's a hundred percent. I think it's um, you know, in, in my earlier days before things kind of really took off, I was not aware of those of the consequences of maybe, you know, just something that was being said or, you know um, it's, it's even to the point where, you know, if you're somebody and you're putting out this message, you really have to look at yourself as you are, someone, you're, you're a brand, you, you are your brand and people who you align with, um, you know, whether that's posting with or tagging or associating with just like anything in life, right? You're, you're kind of looked at as you're the average of the, the five closest people you spend the most time with, whether that's online or whether that's in person. I mean, that's going to ring true and people are going to see that. So just kind of choosing and thinking a little deeper into what you're putting out there before and then just be authentic with it.
1: Yeah, I think one of the easiest things, I think a lot of people either overthink it or don't think about it enough. But one of the easiest things is like, if you can ask yourself, would I do this with someone in person? Or would I say this in front of a group of people? That's cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then share that. And if it's like something where you feel like you're hiding behind a facade or whatever, and like you're safe because you're behind the internet, (laughs) um, maybe not the best, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Because it is going to change people's perception of you one way or the other. And to me i think it can be a great thing because it can spread so much knowledge to people that wouldn't necessarily have it and it can spread so much positivity to people that wouldn't necessarily have it in motivation if it's used the right way so i think it's a great tool as long as you're being yourself
0: totally i think that's a great message cuz you know you can scroll on instagram you can see you know these just kind of almost fake photos or it's like my life is perfect and it's really cool to see the real the real posts from people and even i've you know i've shared more about my life and I've seen that you put kind of stuff out what you're going through and your training, it's really humanizes you and people want to relate to that. So that's a good tip. Awesome. Well, I'm going to keep, uh, keep, I know you're a busy, a busy woman and, uh, I really enjoyed today's. I actually learned a lot and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you lift and meet you out in Salt Lake city in December here. Um,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Definitely. So you guys check, uh, check Meg out on Instagram. It's, uh, Meg, S right. Meg S can. Yeah. 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 It's kind of rings like Meg's can't. I know. I was like, that's clever. clever." I
1: know. I, as I say, I married into a great name for puns here. (laughs) You
0: did. There you go. (laughs) uh, And what I'll do Uh, is in the show notes, guys, I'll uh, put all the links to her website and where you can find more about her and watch some of her lifting. But Megan, it's been awesome. I appreciate once again, your time. And, yeah. Thank uh,
1: you so much for having me on.
0: Definitely. And we will, uh, we'll be in touch. Sounds good. Okay. Have a great one. <laughs> thank you. All right, guys, that's all we have for episode 15. Before we go, I want you guys to just go check out Meg's Can Lift on Instagram or megscanlift.com. She is an awesome athlete, great coach, great person. I really enjoyed her talk today. Uh, she has a lot of great background. And I think the there's a a couple key messages to get from this podcast. And, you know, this is something you're going to want to go back and listen to because there's so much knowledge in here. And what I really enjoyed from this podcast was she never at one point looked back and said, I would have never done that. She strongly believed, and this is such a great lesson, is everything that we go through in life, whether that's in our professional career, our own personal life, or our training, is a lesson. It's a learning lesson, right? Whether it quote unquote was a a temporary failure it's always a lesson you can build upon it and it helps guide you to where you want to go and where you want to be and if you don't know where that is it's probably going to help you see that path so just some great little tidbits here and a great story of a a high elite athlete who's putting in the work every day just like beginners and uh, i really enjoy this conversation so once again guys if you like this conversation that we had today on episode 15 just go and leave us a podcast review on whatever you're listening to here, whether that's uh, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, uh, anything on the Android. Really helps me get the feedback and really allows me to continue to do this with some really awesome individuals and share this message with you. So with that said, I want to thank you guys again for spending the better half of the hour with us and have a great day.